Romans, the fourth chapter. We're, we're, we're going to backtrack a little bit um, with last Sunday being Resurrection Sunday. We, we focused on um, verse 25, uh, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. But I want to just come back and just look at Abraham just a little bit more. And, and there's, there's going to be more of him as we're coming into chapter 5 too. But let's go back to verse 16, and let's read through the rest of the chapter, verse 25. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who, who are, who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, I just pray that that you just pour out your Spirit upon us. And as has already been said, let us have ears to hear. Father, you know what everyone in here needs to hear. And so regardless of what may come out of my, my mouth, Cause them to hear what you would have them to hear. Let the truth of your word sink in and preach a special particular message to every heart that's here this morning. Our word of God speak. Help us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I I hope we don't lose the fact, just the fact of the amazing example of that Abraham is. A tremendous example of a strong faith and a trust in God. From the very beginning, when God told Abram, remember that was his name before it was changed, God told Abram to leave his own country and go to another land. land. Abraham believed, trusted and he went. Uh, we, we can read it. It's in Genesis 12. Let's go ahead and read it. Uh, verses 1 through 4. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. What's he asking him to do? Leave it behind. Leave it behind. To a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was, look how old he was, 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old when this particular events in his life began. (laughs) And then, when God promised Abram that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, Abram believed and it was credited to him for righteousness. Let's go into Genesis 15, just read verse 5 and 6. Then he, then God, brought him, Abram, outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he and God said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And he and God accounted it to him, Abraham, Abram, as for righteousness. And if we go into uh, chapter 17, uh, we'll let you read this that on your own uh, later on. If you've, you perhaps you've gone back and read of all this history of Abram and Abraham, because this is where uh, in 17 God renews that promise of a son in Abram's old age, and and again Abram believed and. And then Abram accepted his new name. That's when God changed his name uh, from Abram to Abraham. And and then as a perhaps as a sign and a seal of all of this, uh, this is where that that uh, that rite of uh, circumcision came into play. And Abraham trusted God and did as God asked him to do. And then perhaps the greatest confidence of all that Abraham had in showing that he believed God and trusted Him was what? You know, the biggie. We could put it that way. Where where God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. What a great confidence and trust. There was no hesitation. At least that, that we can read. There was no hesitation. And here's why. Or at least this is how I've got it in my mind. Here's why. Because Abraham believed God. Abraham knew he served a God who could not lie. And what had God told Abraham? That there would be a lineage, there would be a line that would come from this son that would be given to them, Isaac. And then Isaac is born. Go sacrifice him. Here's the faith. Here's the faith. Abraham knew God could not lie, and so in his mind, what's what's going on? Well, 
God has got another plan or He's going to raise Him from the dead after I sacrifice Him because He has promised. And He who has promised is faithful. Do you see the faith of Abraham? Well, how do you know that, he, that perhaps that's what he was thinking? Well, we, we read it, I believe we read it a couple of weeks ago, Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, you know, here, there's the test. Isaac, or, or Abraham, go, go sacrifice your son Isaac. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding, (laughs) this is what Abraham concluded. Well, how can we know that? How can we know this? How, How could the writer of Hebrew, how could they know that? Because it was told, it was told, it was told, it was told. Abraham. Told it and told it and told it. That's 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 why I see it. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Had there been a resurrection from the dead to this point? I I don't say I'm gonna have to go back. Here I'm putting myself out there on a limb. I don't think so. Uh, there's some homework. I don't think so. Why would Abraham even have such a thought? Because he trusted God. Do you see that? Do you see the depths of faith? Because he knew God had promised through this son Isaac this would happen. That's faith. That's faith. And now let's go back to Romans 4 verses 18 and 19. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. What's that talking about? Contrary to hope, what? Well, here let me ask you this. What hope is there for someone that's almost a hundred years old and, and for his spouse who is 90 and barren has never had children before? Where's the hope that they're going to be able to have a child? Humanly speaking, no hope. None. Apart from a miracle of God. But Abraham believed. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed because he trusted God. And he believed God and believed what he said. So in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, I believe this is what is being referenced back to verse 17. Uh, put verse 17 up. The, that latter part of verse 17. Uh, as is written, I've made you father of many nations, the presence of him whom he believed. God, he believed God who gives life to the dead 
and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, you'll read some commentaries and some people will think this goes all the way back to creation. I'm not in that camp. I'm in the camp with others who believe this is talking about the birth of Isaac. God gives life to the dead. What 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 had what did Abraham just say? You know what what did it just say of Abraham? His own body already dead, dead to the fact of birthing children, already dead, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Ninety years old, never had children, barren. But yet. The promise would be fulfilled. Isaac came out of deadness. Do you see that? Came out of deadness by miracle of God. Out of that which was dead. And let me ask you this. Have you ever considered that this is a picture of how we all came to become born again and saved? We were all once what? Dead in our trespasses and sins. All dead. But by a miracle, a supernatural work of God, we became children of the promise. A supernatural work of God, and that is grace. All once dead in trespasses and sins, but God brings life, spiritual life, out of death and brings what is not into being. What was not, there was no life there, no spiritual life there. But He brings into being a born-again child of the covenant, a child of promise. See, that's, that's a miracle. Why? Paul had said it earlier, it's by faith, it's by faith. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace. It's the grace of God. Go ahead and put Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 up. We've probably read these every sermon for the last six months, maybe. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Therefore it is, is, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. All of this. All of this. The grace of God. The love of God. The the, the lyric to an old hymn. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. At Calvary, mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. At Calvary. See, therefore it is of faith that it might be according 
to grace. Abraham's faith was according to grace. Abraham believed God. He trusted God. Uh, now, uh, Romans 4, verses 20 and 21. He, Abraham, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, what God had promised, he, God, was also able to perform. See, Abraham did not waver. Well, King James did not stagger. He was fully convinced that God is able to perform all that he has said. Do we believe that? And we're all going to say, yeah, of course we do. And then I'll ask, by the life we live, does it show that we believe that? And there it gets a little more personal because you have to start taking inventory as such as I have had to do. See, we, we've talked about these kind of things over and over and over. But is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Yes, it is. It's good for me. And I need it. How quickly, how quickly... I forget. <laughs> I kind of understand Paul when he's talking of Galatians. I marvel at how quickly you have turned from the living God. And I, I look at myself sometimes and say, oh, what, what's the matter with you? Have you ever been in a place just in your, in your mind and then later after you've come out of the doldrums or whatever you want to call it, you look back and go, how did I ever, how did I ever let myself get there? Have you done that? I bet you have. And again, that's been me. Here's me. <sighs> running on fumes, running on empty, I, I think. I think. Questioning, what am I even doing? Am, am I even making a difference at all? Then a word comes to me that I've read, that we've sung about so often. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling wrung out, then listen. You, you know it. You know it. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Listen to this. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases what? Strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Yeah, Lord, I I guess I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Because at some point, at some point in my life, and, and, and these, this, this stuff's happened to you too, at some point in our lives, we, we start turning our gaze away from this. We start turning the Word of God, and we stop, start, stop turning our, our gaze to things above. We start focusing our gaze on the things of this world, all the cares of this world. And if we don't, we don't get back to looking up. We're going to start sinking down. You see that? We're going to start sinking down. That's why I loved it when, when you were you were playing the the song that Isaac singing. I surrender all, but because that's what it's got to come back down to: a surrender, a humbling of ourselves before Almighty God. And trusting that in due time He will lift us up. That we would walk not according to self. My plans, my agenda, the way I think this should go. But instead walk according to the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Keeping our eyes to things above and not to things of this world. Look to Him, trusting His Word that He gives power to the weak. Do we believe it? We're all going to say, well, of course we do, because it's in God's Word. By the life I live, by the life you live, does it bear out as evidence that you believe it? See, there's, there's where, the, as they say, the rubber meets the road. As I, as we, Humble ourselves before His mighty hand. He will lift us up and increase our strength. We shall mount up with wings like eagles. We shall run and not be weary. So so why would any of us ever waver in unbelief at a promise of God? Why? 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 And, And perhaps I'm just preaching to myself this morning, but I don't think so. I believe we all face this. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've grown weary. Perhaps you have worries. Perhaps you have fears. Perhaps you have anxiety. And if that is you, then I would say this. Turn away from self and turn to the Lord and His great and precious promises which so many of you know and have memorized. Isaiah 40, verse 41, rather. 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. (laughs) So that should be good enough right there. To know that the God of creation the great God, the one true God, is with us. Be not dismayed, 
For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. (laughs) God is saying, I will help you. He is our helper. What what, what did Jesus say? (laughs) What does Scripture say? John 14, verse 15 through 18. And I started with 15 because it says this, If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my word. You see. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. And who's the helper? Well, He tells us. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. There's a promise. There's a promise, child of God, that we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Joshua 1.9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you and will not leave you nor forsake you. Promises of God. Child of God, may we hold on to fact. And that's the truth of God's Word. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never, never, never trust His Word. Trust His Word. We sung the old hymn, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" And It comes down to that, doesn't it? Do we trust Him? Do I trust Him? In Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, you know this. Many of you have committed this to heart. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And it just seems to me that perhaps one of the one of the greatest things that we may fight against and struggle with is worry, anxiety, and fear. Because it doesn't take much just looking at this world and seeing what's going on in other countries and, and just sitting back and, and we may think, well, man, what are we going to get drawn into this thing deeper? Is something deeper going to happen over there? Is, well, what, what's going to happen? Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen to our economy? Is things going to get worse? Man, supply lines? What, did you see what I'm saying? And so I, I went back into some old sermon notes and was reminded of this. And so I'm going to remind you of these things. 
And I asked the question, or posed this, I said, when I am anxious or worried about some situation that I am facing, I battle that anxious heart of unbelief with this. And it was Isaiah 41.10. We read it earlier, but here. I know I've talked about this throughout the years. You know, whether you call them fighter verses or verses of encouragement, or what's your verse? Or what's your verses? What's the verses that you go to to try to center yourself back to trusting God? I pray you've got them. Because here's the thing you know your weakness. You do. And so you need to have verses lined up, committed to memory, that at a moment's notice you could bring to your mind these things that we read earlier. These things I recall to my mind that was from Lamentation. And therefore I have hope. So you need to have these verses that you can recall to your mind so that you can have hope when fear and dread and doubt try to start coming in. So when I'm worried... Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. That's where we talked about the helper. And I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. When I'm anxious about being weak and having little faith, I go to battle with this. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. And He, the Lord, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, Blessed are the poor in spirit. When I am weak, when I've, when I've got self out of the way, when I realize it's not me. See, see, that's what happens to me. I get rolling along, and I think I'm doing it at my strength. And if I start thinking that, then here I go down this path. And then sooner or later, I find myself weak and weary and heavy laden because I'm walking in my strength and not His. Do you, do you understand? For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I have humbled myself before Him, when I have surrendered all, when I have come broken and contrite, realizing not my strength but His, then I said, when, when I'm anxious about decisions I have to make about the future, I battle unbelief with the promise. Psalms 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We've all got decisions, don't we? We all have things in this life that we can't go to a specific verse and, and say, well, what do I need to go to college? What college should I go to? What, what, should I take this job or this job? What, a spouse? What, is that the one? you're not going to read and it tell you specifics along some of those lines, but we can go 
And we can read these verses that tells us that as we wait on Him, and as we look to Him, and as we trust Him, He will do what? He will instruct us. He will teach us in the way we should go. Sometimes we have to wait. Oh, we pray. We pray. We talked about this Friday night. About prayer. And sometimes we get an immediate answer of yes, or we get an, an immediate answer of no, but sometimes it's like there's, from our perspective, there's no answer when it's actually wait or not now. Because we don't know all that the Lord is putting in place perhaps to answer that very prayer that you're praying. And so just rest in the fact that as we look to Him, He will instruct us. He will teach us the right way to go. How about this? See, this kind of fits somebody in my category. When I'm anxious about getting old and my body's starting to fall apart and get frail, how do I fight that? Well, how about fighting that with Isaiah 46, verse 4? Even to your old age, I am He. What's He saying? Even as you're growing old and you're getting weary, your hair's falling out, you're getting shorter this way, but you're getting wider this way. When all of these, even in your old age, I am still God, you see. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. There's a great promise, isn't there? How about this? When, when, when we get, when we get older and we get older and, and we know, we know, just, just according to the old timetable, you know, we're getting up there. How about when I'm anxious about dying? How about battling with Romans 14, verses 7 through 9? For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. This this is talking about the children of God, the children of promise, you see. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if, if we die... Perhaps you should say, and when we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that He might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Paul said, for me to die is gain. And how about this? This perhaps this this might be something that we all at some point have dealt with. When I'm anxious that perhaps I've made shipwreck of my faith and have utterly fallen away from God. Have you been there? Because here's how that kind of comes to me. I'll do something and then I go, how could a child of God even think or do such a thing as that and all then fiery darts fiery darts 
battle with this. Philippians 1, verse 6. Being confident, confident of this very thing, that He, that God, who has begun a work in you, will complete it until the day of the Lord. Child of God, what work, what miraculous work did He begin? Oh, just that miracle of salvation. And then this life we're living, that, that process of sanctification, and what He has begun, He will carry to the end because we have a promise. We have a promise. We have the Holy Spirit. You see. First Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and also will do it. He will keep us. He will hold us. We are His. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can snatch us out of His hand. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Therefore, He is also able to save to the uttermost. NESB says, to save forever those who come to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. (laughs) Old Southern Gospel song comes to my mind. Well, I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am. It's that, that's a great, that's a great feeling. That's a great truth to have, being saved to the uttermost. In Philippians four verses five through six, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. That's great. Bring everything to God by prayer. How important is prayer? Come to Him in prayer. Giving thanks to God. Making your requests known. And what's it say? Is, is this not a promise? Isn't this a promise? That if we do those things, that this will happen? I think, isn't this one of those if then? If you do this, then this will happen? I think it is, isn't it? Pray. Make supplication with thanksgiving. Make your request to Him. And then what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One more verse, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You, God, will keep Him, that's me, that's you, in what? Perfect peace. Now we just read, we just read from Paul in that letter to Philippians. 
peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Where would he come up with that? Well, how about from the prophet Isaiah? You, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You know, that, just that from the psalmist comes to my mind. My heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. In other words, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. See, that's all we've been talking about. Abraham trusted God. He believed God. What an example of faith and of trust. Whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. He will keep us. He will keep us till the end of this age and then forevermore. When we look to him, when we keep go- we've got to keep coming back to this, to his word. Uh, Friday night, going home, I just flipped on the radio. I, I was driving the old truck. I don't get much. I think it was on ninety-one-one. Is that? Is that AFR? I, I don't Okay. And uh, it was Nancy Laid DeMoss. But, but she, it was coming at the end of, of one of her talks, and she brought it down to this. She'd been talking about the Word of God, and she challenged the children of God counsel yourself according to the Word of God. That's good, isn't it? Counsel yourself according to the Word of God. What's this, how the psalmist put it? Uh, I've got, I said one more verse. I lied. I got another one. Uh, Psalms 43, verse 5. Here's how the psalmist put it. And, and we've talked about this a lot, where, where the psalmist is preaching to himself. That, that's how I've put it. I've, I've taken that from John Piper. That sermon, that sermon he preached still comes to my mind. And here's the psalmist. Why are you cast down on my soul? He's preaching to himself. It's like, come on, soul. And why are you disquieted within me? What's he tell himself to do? Hope in God. How many verses, how many lyrics, how many things have we said today that's come to that? Put your hope in the Lord. This I recall in my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. You see, for us today as born-again believers, as children of the promise, we have the Spirit of truth in us. We do. And so may we trust in Him. May we hope in God. We may, may we take His Word and hide it in our heart that we might not sin against Him. To have the Word. That we would not get to the point of where we have wavered in unbelief at some promise that He has given us.
that we would turn our eyes away from the things of the world that's bringing us down, but look to Him for strength and instruction of how to walk through this world that He has placed us in. Just that verse of the song, I think I've got it there, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, I think everybody knows it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And what will happen? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of His glory and grace. That's true, isn't it? Let's sing it again. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us all to do that very thing. For the children of God to turn our eyes constantly to You. That we would look to You as our source of strength, our source of help. Knowing full well that You're going to give to us each day exactly what You deem best. Exactly what we need. And so, Father, if it's a trial, bring it. Bring it to us. Bring it to me, Lord. If that's what I need, that, I, that, that it may knock more of self out of me, that I may be more reliant upon you. So, Father, help us not to try to bear up everything on our own shoulders. Why would we do such a thing? But just rest. Just rest in You and Your great and precious promises. And Father, should there be someone who would hear this sermon or perhaps even here today and they're yet lost, there is no Spirit within them, no Holy Spirit of truth in them. And so they have no strength other than their own. And Lord, I would just pray by a miracle of grace and mercy that You would open their eyes to the truth of who You are. The one true great God of all. And that in, in light of seeing You and Your holiness and Your justice, that they would see themselves a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, just open their eyes to 
the truth of the gospel of Christ that perhaps they have heard over and over again and make it real in their heart and minds. And Father, just provide that miracle. Just grant them faith that they might believe. Grant them repentance that they could confess their sins and turn from their sins and follow You, receiving Christ as Lord of all. So Father, help us all to live each day knowing that Christ is all in all, that He is Lord. And it's in His precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.